Sometimes I just like to just stay there and just listen to them sing. Let them work, lead us in worship. Sometimes it's good just to get away and just listen uh, to music and, and let God speak to you through the music. I, I think that's really cool. Some of the best times you know, I've had is listening to some songs that get me to think about a certain uh, aspect of God. And it kind of leads me in that direction to kind of grow and, 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 and ponder on those things that God's speaking to me about. We're going to continue our series on how to disciple part two. And this is kind of like the meat of, of the idea of the things I've learned. And so hopefully I'm just passing this on to you. It's nothing, thing I, anything I really created because it's all there in the scriptures, right? That's the way it should be. So the first thing I, I'm making an assumption today is this, is that uh, in your life uh, that you've decided to love God with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, um, to love the Lord, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself. I've, I've, I'm assuming that we all are here and we all want to do that. If you're going to be a disciple maker, it's important for you to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's, it's, it's important to do that. It's important to put God first, and he's going to be the one that gives you the strength to really love people and care for them, right? That's why that's first. God needs to be number one, and then you need to love your neighbor as yourself, so that's very important for all of us to look at, for all of us to do. And I'm assuming that, that you are desiring that in your own life, that, that you're pursuing that. Not that you're perfect at it, not that you've achieved, because I don't think we've ever achieved, right? We, we're always constantly grown or should be grown in our walk with Christ. But that's your, your desire is to grow in your relationship with Jesus, relationship with God, that you want to love him and that you want to love others as yourself. So that's an assumption. So, so the first scripture that I want to read, and the first thing you need to do, if you're really going to make disciples, and I'll give you the point now, is the idea that you need to spend quality time with people. Anybody that you choose to put on your list, and we're, I'm going to challenge you today to write out some names. And maybe it could be in the back of your Bible. Maybe it could be on a piece of paper. Maybe it's just mentally you write it down in your mind. But I want you to be thinking intentionally that I'm going to take a few people and I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to take time to really develop them to be a follower of Christ. And the first challenge, the first thing that we need to do is spend quality time. So we find Jesus here in, in John chapter 1, verse 37. It says this. It says, when, G, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about the four, about four in the afternoon. So here, here's a great thing that Jesus is just walking away, right? Uh, James and John see Jesus walking, and they go up to him, like, hey, Jesus, where, where are you staying? Where, where are you going? We want to be with you. And he says, come and see an open invitation to spend some time with him. And it turns out that they spent the whole day with Jesus. And so Jesus allowed people, he was allowing people to come and spend time with him, which is very key. And we see that throughout the Gospels. We see that throughout the Scriptures. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13, it says this. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a, a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, 
Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So not only did Jesus say when he looked at Matthew at the table and say, Hey, hey, I want you to be one of my disciples. I want you to follow me. He was willing to go to Matthew's house and spend time with him. And it caused a, like kind of a ruckus. Like, is Jesus really going to go spend time with this tax collector, this sinner? You know, and he did. And we have to spend time with our disciples. And when I say quality time, I'm not just talking about, you know, it's like, like me watching a football game and my wife is trying to talk to me. And, and you know that there's nothing getting through. There, she knows that there's, there's no way to communicate. She tries. But I'm like, huh? <laughs> and I, I do that with a lot of things, really. I just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm focused, right? And you get your eyes glued onto something. And, and that's not really spending quality time, right? That is not spending quality time. We have so much technology. It's interesting. You see pictures. I think I saw a picture of a baseball game where there's three or four girls sitting in the same row, and they all were looking down at the fence while there was a big, huge play that happened on the field because they were so, that's not spending quality time together. They're all separate by being on their phones. We've seen that in pictures where people are eating a meal together, and they're looking at their phones rather than looking up each other and talking to each other. Spending quality time as a disciple maker is this is thinking about ways that you can create opportunities to spend time together. You know, think about this. Think about our mission here at this church where we, we want to do a great job with Vacation Bible School, and we do. We want to do uh, Upward uh, Flag Football, which we do. And really, all these things that we do, all these activities that are done for church should be, the motivation should be to get people together, right? It should be that we spend time together. We, we, you know, that's why I love Upward, because it gives me an opportunity to spend time with kids and teach them a sport. It gives me an opportunity to be around them. That's why we come together. That's why we do things in a church is really to be around people, right? We want to develop people. We want to invest in people. We want to spend time together. That's the, the motivation we should have in doing any activity. It's not just a social club. It's not just to, to just hang out and have fun. It's to get people together so you can disciple, so you can develop. One of the things that when I was a first youth pastor over at a church on the South Side Gospel Mission, um, one of the things that I didn't have, we didn't have a big budget. We didn't have a lot of time together. So we had this, you know, we did this thing. And, and it was kind of a big thing back in the day. But we did lock-ins. You know, you spend the whole, week, a whole night together. We, sometimes we do like those three or four times a year. Now I'm older and I can't do those anymore like I used to. But we would, we would love to do that because it would give our kids a time to be able to hang out and spend time together. And uh, to do that, the, the idea wasn't just to do this night that was supposed to be special and important and great. It was to get kids together so that we could disciple them, so that we could teach them, to, so we could help them grow. And think about how much time, if you're going to really disciple somebody and help them develop, you've got to be committed to spending quality time with them. Some of the examples could be spending lunch together, doing activities together, doing work together. Um, you know, one of the things that when I was a, a pastor of a church for a little while, many years ago, but the, the fact was is that the church had an issue. There was water leak in the basement of the church, and it was really bad, and we couldn't have Sunday school downstairs, and we wanted to have Sunday school, and we wanted to develop that. Well, one of the things we, we did is we, we got in, and we dug down, and got down to the foundation, and dug that all out, and we were able to fix the wall so that we could repair it. 
We did that as volunteers in the church. And through that process, we got to spend time together. We got to hang out. We got to talk to each other. And it was a great opportunity to spend time making disciples. See, it's just, it's just looking for those opportunities that we can create or make to spend time with people, to help develop them. And it doesn't have to take a whole lot of things. If there's things you like to do or they like to do, uh, look at those things as maybe opportunities that you can spend time with that person. Or maybe it's an objective, but through that journey of that objective, you're growing people, you're helping them develop because you're around them. And why it's so important too is because people need authenticity to see how it really works about living for Jesus. If they, if they just see you at a distance, like how you are at church every Sunday, and they don't see the real you, it's less attainable for them. But if they can see you on a daily basis and how you work and how you do things and how you try to live your life for Jesus, then they have an, a, a greater opportunity to succeed because they can realize, hey, he's not perfect. <laughs> he doesn't have it all together always but he has a dedication or a heart to follow Jesus. You, the biggest thing about spending time with people is that you have to be vulnerable. Jesus was very vulnerable. You know, that's a, the, another interesting thing. This is a side thing, maybe, but not really. But, you know, sometimes we want people to see it in our best light. Like, we want people to see, oh yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, Eric's, Eric's a good old boy, I like him. He's, he's all right. He's a little weird, but he's all right. But, but the fact is, is that you know, Jesus didn't put himself in good situations many times. Many times he was questioned, like in Matthew. Many times people didn't uh, approve of what he was doing. The, the religious leaders didn't like him, right? He wasn't always, his disciples didn't always follow what he said, right? They would question him. He's the teacher. And they're like, oh, I don't understand what he said. What did you just say, right? But Jesus was vulnerable. He, he, he wasn't concerned about what... Uh, he looked like, or how he was perceived, or what, what people thought of him so much as the people he was around, his disciples. He was more concerned about them seeing him, that he was putting God first in his life, and that he was living for God. John chapter 17, verse 9 through 12. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those you have given me. I love that part right there. And, and the next point is this, is to pray for your disciples. Isn't this great that, that he's not just praying for the whole entire world? He's being more specific here. He's, he's praying for those that he has, those that, that are following him. He's praying for them. And we need to pray for our disciples and not just mention their name during a time of prayer, but really be praying for them. And we're going to find out more what Jesus prayed. And I think it should encourage us to pray in the same mindset that we should be praying for our disciples. Uh, it says, uh, for, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all, all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will no longer remain in the world. I will remain no longer in the world, but they are still in the world. And I come to you, I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, and the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, I kept them safe by the name you have given me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scriptures might be fulfilled. Verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I still am in the world, 
so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am not of the world. My prayer is that you do not take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world as even I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. For, they, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly holy. So here's the thing is that we need to be praying for our disciples, giving them a, a really praying for them in a specific way. Praying that God helps us to see our next point, we'll talk about needs. Helping, asking God to, to protect them, asking God to sanctify them. And when sanctified or, san, you know, to, to sanctify them is to, to realize that they're holy. They're not, they're not supposed to be just, you know, totally taken out of the world like Jesus says, but Lord, help my disciple be holy. Help them to be set apart in the sense that they not live for the world anymore, but they live for you that they are connected with you, that they're in fellowship with you, that they're in relationship with you, God. As we are one, that they will be one as well. That they'll be set out apart from the world in the sense that they are holy. Don't take them out. Just help them to realize that there's something bigger, something more important. And also, of course, we need to pray for their needs. We'll, we'll get to next. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 through 15. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left, and she got up and began to wait on them. One of the really th cool things is we're going to look now at Peter, and we're just going to take Peter as one example because we could look at all the other disciples and see some things how Jesus met their needs, Right? He ministered to each disciple a little differently. He looked at what they needed, and he tried to help them out. As far as we know, Peter was the only disciple that was married. Most of the other disciples were probably teenagers. And so I'm sure Peter, one of his concerns would be that he has an ailing mother-in-law, and his wife is going to have to take care of her, and then he's going to just leave, just go, and follow Jesus. But Jesus takes care of that issue. He ministers to Peter by healing and touching his mother-in-law. Now, some of you are thinking, is that really a blessing? Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Right? But the thing of it is, is that, you know, this blessing of having Jesus minister to Peter's needs. He cared about Peter. He valued Peter. And that's what we need to do for our disciples. We need to look at their needs. What are the needs that they have? What are the things that are going on in their life? What are their circumstances? What, what's happening in their life? How can I minister to them? How can I help them? How can I encourage them? How can I build them up? Those are all things that we need to look at, all, all those things that we need to ask and try to help people understand is, is try to look at your person that you're trying to minister to. What's going on around them? They may have a difficult life. They may have some struggles that they're really facing. They may have some family issues, family dynamics that are going on in their life that maybe you could help them with. That's what we're called to do. Matthew 15, verse 15 through 20. Peter said, explain this parable to us. Verse 16, are you still so dull? Jesus asked, 
Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them? For out of the heart comes the evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. So it's kind of interesting because Jesus kind of gets a little frustrated, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're wanting to invest in people, if you've ever coached, ever led anything, you can, it's easy to get frustrated with your people, right? You're trying to teach them. You're trying to get them to where they need to be. And this is what our heart, right? In leadership, we want to go from, take this person from here, and we want to take them to this place, right? We want to, we want to take them from where they're at, and we want to help them grow to where they can be successful and, and lead something and do something with their life, right? That's what all good leaders want. They want to develop somebody to help them to get better at what they're doing currently and see the potential in themselves to get higher and go better and go stronger, right? That should be our heart. That should be our desire in developing people. Well, well here, the thing is, sometimes we can get frustrated. And it's, it's interesting. It gives me comfort. No, <laughs> Eric, you're not alone. Jesus got frustrated too. Jesus was teaching a parable, and he's getting on to Peter for not understanding because he's been with him for quite a while now in this story and he's just like not understanding what jesus is trying to do and what he's trying to teach and the lesson behind the parable and he says are you so so dull right but then he goes on and explains the parable even though he's frustrated he still takes the time to help peter out to really help him understand and this is the thing, you know, even though we may get frustrated with our disciples sometimes or developing people, we can get discouraged sometimes by their progress. Maybe we're, we're excited at first. or like, man, this person's really grown, and they take a step back, and we can be discouraged by that. But we still need to think about how can I help this person grow? What do they need? How can I help them understand? How can I be creative in the way that I communicate this so that they can grab, grab a hold of that, this idea that I'm trying to teach we're trying to help them grow in. And so, again, uh, making sure you understand their needs. Maybe they don't understand, but you take the time to explain things better to them. You help them with the process of them learning, and you take time to break it down so they can understand because you want to meet their needs. One of my favorite parts of this whole topic here is Matthew 17, 27, that really speaks to me in a lot of different ways, and we'll get into it. But so that we may not have cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch and open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. And I just, this whole part here, I just, it, it's just so interesting because what does Jesus call Peter out of? fishing, right? He calls them out of fishing. He says, I'm going to take you and make you, a, that you're a fisherman, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Your, your life is changing now. You're not going to be doing this as much anymore. You're going to go pursue this, right? And here's the interesting thing is that Peter probably, Jesus probably knows that Peter loves the fish. We, we were going to read it again later that Peter goes out to fish, but, but here's, here's what's cool about it is like when we're meeting people's needs, we don't have to strip everything away from what they do. 
You know, one of the things that, I didn't share this in the first service, but one of the things that hit me going on the Hopi uh, mission field was that, you know, we as, as Christian believers, as, you know, whoever first settled there in Arizona to, to work with the Hopi Indians, kind of tried to bring their way of worshiping God to them to force them to sing some of the songs that we sing, and nothing wrong with that necessarily. But what if, what if we taught the Hopi Indians, you don't have to leave your tradition of, of dancing and, and singing to this unknown God that you serve. You could, you, could, you could worship this God that's very real and use some of the same practices you have, but, but understand that you're, you're following Christ now, you're following Jesus now. In other words, we don't have to, when we teach people, there's a lot of qualities, abilities, gifts, talents that somebody has that we need to elevate and encourage them to use for Jesus Christ, right? God's already put things inside them. I just want to pull those things out to help them see that they can do things for God, right? We want to encourage people to use their talents and their abilities. One of the great things that I think I, I've been able to do with the, some of the people that I've ministered to is when I found somebody that had art ability, I used that art ability. When I found somebody that could sing, I, I let them sing. When I found somebody that could teach, I let them teach. Let them use their gifts. Let them use their abilities. And it also shows, too, that there's sometimes there's things that we enjoy. God's okay with you enjoying your life, but God wants you to put him first and love your neighbor as yourself. God doesn't always strip everything away from you. If you think God's going to just, you know, ruin your whole life, that's not the plan. God says, or Jesus says, I've come to give you abundant life. You know what that abundant is? A life with purpose, a life with meaning, a life that impacts others. What's cool about this is that Jesus could have said, hey, it's in this trash can. (laughs) Or, hey, this coin is over, you know, over at this baker's place, and you can go get that. Or it's in a basket, what does he do? He says, no, go fishing. And you're going to receive my tax and your tax, and we're going to be good. Go have some fun. Go fishing. And the first fish you catch, that's going to be the fish that has it going. Isn't that really cool? I mean, I get it. That's really neat. And that's how God works. See, God's given you abilities and gifts and talents, things that maybe you don't really fully appreciate yet, that God says, hey, I want you to develop in that area. I want you to grow. I want you to give me your talents, your abilities, the things you enjoy doing, and, and walk with me, follow me, seek me out. So help meet their needs. And I think about CPR. So CPR, you have to, you know, you listen for uh, a breathing. When you, when you check somebody out laying on the ground, you try to, to, to listen if they're, they're, they're breathing. You look at their chest, see if it's moving. You feel to try to get a pulse right. You do all those steps. But what if we had applied that to making disciples and then looking for people's needs, right? What if, what if I would just listen to them? What if I would just listen and, and hear what they say? And a lot of times you can learn a lot about people if you just give them an opportunity to speak and share. And again, that, that's spending quality time with somebody. That's, that's being with somebody that gives you a chance to really get to know the person. And then you know how to pray for them. You know what their needs are. And then maybe you can help them meet their needs. Help take care of them, help provide for them. And then also look, body language speaks a lot. Oftentimes, uh, I'll re- reference youth ministry because it's easy for me because uh, it's hard to believe I spent 20 years in youth ministry. but. You know, looking at, in a youth ministry, when I was a youth pastor, if I saw kids in the back rows, those were my targets. 
Those were kids that I would go after and, and try to get to know better, try to help. Their body language was oftentimes speak to me that they needed help, they needed someone, they, needed, they felt left out, they didn't feel part of the group, they didn't feel comfortable. How can I help them? How can I invest in them? How can I you know, help them grow? What does their body language look like? What is, what is the environment they're in? What, what, what's their home life like, look like? What, what, what kind of things do they, they do with their time? What kind of hobbies do they have? That all helps me to get to know them better, to help meet some of the needs that they may have. A feel. I think the Holy Spirit speaks to us and gives us the feeling of, hey, I need to take more time with this person. I need to help develop this person. I need to help them grow. I think the Holy Spirit speaks to us in this relationship. As I'm praying for them, and I think about this, if I pray, and it's, a, it's an important thing in my life to pray for this person, and I'm praying for them, that God begins to help me to see things more, more clearly of how I can minister to them. He gives me thoughts and ideas the whole, through the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, Eric, this person needs a little encouragement today. How can you encourage them today? How can you... Uh, this, this thing is not going to, they're not going to be able to succeed unless this thing changes in their life. How can we address that? How can we fix that for them? How can we help them to, to feel like they can succeed if this need that they have is in the way? How can we get that need out to where they can be successful? Maybe that's a lack of confidence. Maybe that's building their confidence. When I was the youth pastor at Calvary, one of the things I think that really helped us out was we started doing dramas. And it gave us an opportunity to spend time together because we had to practice and had to rehearse and all these things. And then also, I remember some kids that were real kind of shy got small parts at first, and they would be in the drama. And then as we would do more dramas, they started becoming more of the main character or the main person in the drama. They started building confidence in that. Whatever it is, again, it doesn't matter if you do dramas, it doesn't matter if you have upward sports, it doesn't, the activity is, is ir, really irrelevant, right? I mean, I'm, I say that, but it's important too. But anyhow, the idea is, is that the, the activity is just bringing you a chance, giving you an opportunity to really disciple. It could be whatever it is. We could just start a bowling ministry. How many would sign up for that bowling ministry Monday nights at Emerson Bowling Lane? And we just spend time together, and the mission of that is to work with people to develop them for Christ. It's looking at what needs are there and creating those opportunities to get to know them and looking at their needs. Last thing I want to share is John chapter 21, verse 1 through 3. And I want to read this part, and we may skip a little bit here. Uh, Afterward, Jesus appeared and again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Simon Peter Thomas also called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out fishing, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Okay? Another interesting thing. Here, here we see, we really get to see how much Peter enjoys fishing or just feels comfortable with fishing, right? Because right after Jesus leaves... He's like, I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm just going to go fishing. We understand that he's probably not confident in his ministry skills yet. He's probably not feeling like he's, you know, who am I to go out and speak for people about Jesus when I'm the one that denied him three times? You know, I wasn't really this faithful person I wanted to be for Jesus, but I didn't live up to that standard. And how, how can I do this now? 
But you can see what kind of leader he is, why? Because how many of these people are just waiting for Peter to make a choice, right? They're just standing around waiting for Peter to say what he's gonna do next, right? He's like, hey, I'm just gonna go fishing. All right, we'll go too. (laughs) And they're all following Peter to the fishing boat and they go fishing, right? But they can't find anything. And why is that? Because I don't think that God was just trying to be mean to them and not let them catch anything. I think, again, it's to prove a point that, you know, God God wants you to enjoy your fishing, but God also has a higher calling for your life. God has a higher purpose for you, Peter. And we see that played out in verse 15. It says, then Jesus uh, had finished eating. Jesus said to him, Simon uh, Peter, or, or Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jodah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verily, truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went from one from there. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. At the end of verse 19, I just want to highlight, it says, follow me. I think that's interesting because when Jesus says, follow me at the beginning of, of the gospels, it's more of an invitation, right? It's more of an invitation. It's, it's follow me, right? He's now saying, follow me as kind of a challenge or an encouragement to say, let's get this going. Let's do this. So what he's doing with Peter is he's restoring Peter, right? Every time he asked him, he says, do you love me, Peter? He says, last Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, feed my sheep, right? And so here's the thing is that he's restoring him, but he's also saying, what is the most important thing? Do you love me just like a fan? Just like, hey, I love you and you're great. There's a great book called, uh, by Kyle Eidemann called Not a Fan. I'd encourage you to read that if you don't, hadn't yet, or it's a good study on Right Now Media if you'd like to check it out. But the whole idea of not a fan is, are you just a fan of Jesus? Like, yeah, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. But are you in, in the ball game? Do you love him? Are you in the midst? Or are you just a standby person that's just standing there in the stands and like, yeah, but are you committed to him? Are you, are you really committed to him? And the whole idea here, and, and we could, we're gonna skip over Thomas and move right to it. But here's the thing, what we need to do for people is we need to challenge them through encouragement. There will be times where you need to challenge somebody and say, you know what, this is not, gonna, this is not working. You need to do this. And there will be times that you have to, you know, uh, there's another good book called uh, Cru- uh, Crucial Conversations. Uh, Joseph Greeny, uh, right, uh, one of the authors of that book. And the whole idea is that sometimes you have to have truthful conversations with people. You have to speak truth into their life. And not to do it in a mean way, but sometimes we kind of hide behind the truth because we're scared of hurting somebody's feelings when we need to just go right to them and just tell them, hey, this is not working out and we need to have this conversation to work this out and make it better. And sometimes we try to, you know, we don't we want to avoid that conversation. We don't want to have that conversation. We don't want to talk to people about that. But sometimes that's, that's where we need to be. That's what we need to do for people. 
In the same way, as I develop people, there are times where I need to challenge them. I need to challenge them, but I also want to think about how can I encourage them because my goal as a leader is trying to get them to develop and grow in their faith, right? I want to help them grow, but I also want them to pursue and to, to you know, make that choice on their own. In other words, as a disciple maker, you can't do that by yourself. You can't force them. They have to make those choices themselves. So challenge through encouragement. Um, I think encouragement goes a long way. But I also think that you having a vision for that person to continue to grow through Christ is important. And so you can do, to me, you can do both, right? I can challenge somebody, but I can also say, hey, you can do this. You can do it, you know? Like a coach. A coach will say, hey, my expectation is for you to be here. But I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to be there to support you through that. I don't want you to stay where you are. Jesus didn't want Peter or any of the other disciples to stay where they were. Thomas doubted Jesus, right? He doubted whether Jesus was really crucified and really, well, not doubted that he crucified, but he was doubting the fact that he rose again. He didn't see that, so he was doubting that. And Jesus appeared to him and said, hey, touch my, touch my, put your finger right here. Put your, put your side, or put your hand in my side, right? You can see the evidence, but blessed are those that believe, but yet have not seen. So we need to challenge. The biggest thing I think about is this, is it's not so much because I, I, I hope I've grown. I hope I've you know, grown in a lot of areas in my life since when I first started ministry. But the thing it is, 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 is teach as you learn and grow, right? I wanna to continue to teach what I've learned. If I'm continuing to grow, I wanna pass that on whatever, however I can. That's why I like talking about leadership because I like to pass that on. And maybe, maybe it's not good for somebody else, but hopefully somebody maybe never thought themselves as a leader and they could see themselves as being a leader after you know, going through some, some things that I've learned. And I share that. And I can help develop them as a leader. Teach as you learn and grow. So as you learn and grow, try to pass that on to other people. Try to help other people. The objective here is this. Start writing some names down. I just challenge you. I I challenge you. Now, the idea is I could have gave you a slip today, and I've done that with some of my youth leaders in the past. What I did was I said, here's here's a list of 12, and I want you to write 12 names in our youth group that you're going to minister to for the next year. And I want you to pour yourselves in these 12. You know what? We can't reach them all. I can't reach every single team we had. At Calvary, we had over 60 kids that would regularly come to our youth group. And it was awesome. It was a great time. It wasn't because of me. It was because of God. I was just obedient because God was just in that total thing. But the thing of it is, is that I would, you know, we would encourage our leaders to pour themselves into other, to the kids because I knew I couldn't minister. I had a list. They had a list. And I've used that at different places but maybe, maybe I, should have, I should be using it more because the idea is this. It's not my idea. It's really God's idea is that we should have people that we're ministering to. And I don't care if that list is three or four. I was just using a youth group setting. But if you have two or three people on your list, consider that a great thing. But be intentional about it. I challenge you today. I'm, I'm doing that challenge and encouragement today with you now. I challenge you and I encourage you to write a few names down and begin to see yourself as being committed to those people for the next year and saying, hey, I'm gonna work with these people. I'm gonna develop this person. Maybe it's the next door neighbor. 
Maybe it's a coworker. Like I said last week, you don't have to go to a certain destination to find people. There's people, there's people pretty much anywhere, right? Like, there, there's, there's people all around. It's like amazing, right? Does God know really know every single person? Yes, he does. And the government does too somehow. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Just kidding. But anyhow, the idea is, is to invest in somebody. Spend quality time with them. So write down some names. Don't feel bad if you don't have 12. That's not the idea of this. Who is God leading you to develop? Who is God leading you to help grow in their faith? Warning, though. You may have some people that will disappoint you along the way. You may have some people that will betray you. It'll feel like betrayal. Jesus had Judas, right? And I don't think that escapes us as leaders, too. And I think it's something we need to understand is that there are going to be people that will walk away. There will be people that don't want to hear from you anymore that you're trying to invest in. You just got to continue to pray for them. But, you know, there may be times where they don't want you to be, they don't want to be your disciple. And that, that's their choice. That's sad. We see that, like I mentioned last week, the rich young ruler had an invitation to be with Jesus, and he turned it down. There may be times where people will turn that invitation down from you. Or there may be people that are in your ministry for quite a few years, and then you know, they're not. And those are always the ones that sting, right? For me, those are the ones I, I, that haunt me in a way. Not, not scary haunt. It's just more like, man, where are they? Why aren't they following Christ? Why aren't they doing the things they know they should be doing? You know, it just it breaks your heart, and it sticks with you. And then Jesus had Peter, James, and John. This is the thing I want to share with you too. That there are, as you as you do this, you're you're going to find maybe a few of those out of this list that you have. Whether it's four, maybe you'll find two. Uh, if you have a longer list, maybe you'll find some others. But you'll see some people on your list that just seem to gravitate to you. Just like they just want to learn, they want to grow, they're excited, they're just enthusiastic, and they just want to. They're like a sponge, and I've had so many of those in my in course of ministry where they were just like a sponge. And Jesus had those. Jesus had people like that. Don't, don't be, show them favoritism in the sense that you just think about them. Don't, don't fall into that temptation, I want to warn you. Uh, it's easy to just be all about them because they really get it. You should still extend yourself to all the others. But keep in mind that that, that is okay for that, that relationship to occur. That they may get closer to you, they may be around you more, and, and that's okay, but don't leave out the others. Don't, don't make the other ones feel like they're not cared about and valued when you have opportunity. Make sure that they feel valued and cared about. But if they want to soak it in, you just keep challenging them. You keep encouraging them. You keep them to where they, you're just kind of getting ready. Okay, you go out there. Go out there. You know? It really is, I think, something we need to do more. As we close, I think part of the reason why God has put this so much on my heart, my dad was abusive and stuff, and, and I never really had somebody constantly like in my life except people outside of my family or people that my grandfather was a great leader and a great pastor, um, but my dad just, uh, he wasn't around. He didn't, I didn't feel like he cared. Didn't feel like I was important enough in his life for him to invest in me. Um, not a pity party, but I think that void was there. And then when I was called to ministry, my grandfather had a really massive stroke. 
And I never really got to learn much from him. I mean, I saw his life. I saw how he lived his life. But there's so many things I wish I could have done with him. You know what I mean? Not that it wasn't people that invested in me, because there definitely was people that invested in me. But it wasn't like the long stint of investment that we see with Jesus with his disciples. And I think there's so many people that have potential. There's so many people out there that are wanting something different. This life, this world is not giving them what they want, and they're lost, and they're seeking something. They're seeking something more, and we have what they need. We have what they need, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not just for them to become saved, but for us to take and give them encouragement and help to see themselves do something for Christ that they didn't think they could do themselves. And that really is something that we should always keep in mind, that whether I'm doing vacation Bible school, whether I'm you know, helping out with Night to Shine, whether I'm helping out with Upward or, or teaching a Sunday school class or whatever I'm involved in, am I looking for people that I can invest in, that I can help develop? Because there's so many out there that don't feel like they can, they can do anything. You know, they, they just see what they do in this world, and this world is not their home, Really? Once they know Jesus, there's a greater purpose. There's a greater thing out there. So I want to encourage you today to think about this. Think about that. Pray about it. But, but do something about it. I'm not perfect at this. You don't have to be perfect at this. You just have to love God and love others. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this uh, opportunity to talk and share today. Just give us strength. Give us wisdom. Just be with us as we just get ready to dismiss. I, I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here that just needs a, a conversation with you today, that they would do that at their seat or come forward and just uh, pray with somebody today. But, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have that, that we can make a difference. I thank you that um, I've seen you at work in my life. Who would have thought you would use somebody like me, to invest in others. But Lord, that's, that's what you're about. As we look at the scriptures, we find people that were imperfect, failures in some sense of the word, and maybe people that were the outcast, and you took them and you developed them and you helped them grow. And so Lord, help us to do the same. Help us to really care for our people. Help us to spend time with them. Help us to pray for them. Lord, help us to look at their needs and and see what their needs are so we can address them, so we can help them. And like you did with Peter, that you looked at Peter and you were looking at some of the things he dealt with and, and you addressed those things for him and you helped him in so many different aspects. Lord, help us to help others, to look at their needs. And then lastly, Lord, help us to challenge. Help us to challenge Uh, Sometimes the challenge in itself is a statement that I believe in you. Sometimes the challenge can be a statement of, hey, you can do this. That we can encourage them along the way. Be a cheerleader in their corner saying, hey, you got this. I got your back. I'm proud of you. And I love you. Just be with us today and help us to continue to learn and grow and pass on what we know so we can teach others. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen.